In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning on this fourth Sunday of Advent. So nice to see you here today. Uh, I don't know if you've watched many superhero movies. Uh, that may be a 930 thing. I don't know. But uh, if you have, uh, you, then you know that the origin story is an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, the origin story tells us how the hero became the hero. For instance, it's one thing to see Superman flying around and catching bad guys, but it's, you know, it's another thing to see his father, Jor-El, on planet Krypton, placing his infant son in a space pod and sending him to Earth moments before planet Krypton is destroyed. That helps us understand Superman's powers. And then we see him growing up on a farm in Smallville under the moral guidance of his uh, adopted parents, the Kents. That helps us understand Superman's passions and his motivations. In fiction, the origin story gives us a clearer picture of the whole hero, gives us greater understanding and even emotional connection. Our gospel passage from the first chapter of Luke, uh, gives us something of a non-fiction origin story. Uh, it is, of course, the story that we typically call the Annunciation, the angel's announcement to Virgin Mary that she would bear a son. And I say that it's like an origin story because these 12 verses tell us an incredible amount of background information to help us understand and love the hero that we celebrate and worship. This baby in the manger who would grow up to walk on water and heal the sick and feed the hungry and raise the dead and infuriate the self-righteous and who was, from the very beginning, always headed to the cross and the empty tomb. So this is the beginning of the story of how God came to save the world, and therefore it is the beginning of the story of how God came to save you. So it is an important story. In this gospel passage, which is the origin story of our great hero, Jesus Christ, we see condescension, covenant, and courage. And specifically, we see God's condescending purpose, God's covenant Fulfillment and Mary's courageous obedience. So condescension, covenant, and courage. First, we see God's condescending purpose. And the way we use that word, condescending, it nearly always has a negative sense. Like we, someone is speaking down to someone else. A, a way that assumes a rude and off-putting air of superiority. They're speaking in a way that's condescending. There's another sense of the word, though. In fact, it's the original sense. It's an older, much more gracious, good sense. It's when someone who is, in fact, greater, in some sense, puts aside that greatness willingly and humbly assumes a position of service. They are condescending to the other person. You can picture a wealthy mighty king in another era being driven through cobblestone streets in a very fine horse-drawn carriage and he and his family are warmly bundled up in the finest furs it's a cold and snowy day and the king unexpectedly calls for the carriage to stop 
And he comes down out of the finely appointed carriage in his expensive fur cape and approaches on this cobblestone street a poor beggar who is wearing only tatters and shivering in the cold. And the beggar is fearful. He's trembling before this mighty king because in his hand is a loaf of bread that he stole to feed his hungry child. And he's sure that the king means judgment. With a kind smile, the king takes off his fine cape and wraps it around the beggar so that he may be warm and hands him a sack full of warm bread. The king has condescended to the beggar. The king has come down with love and kindness and personal sacrifice to share his warmth with one who needs it, but one who could not provide it for himself. This is the good and gracious sense in which we see God's condescending purpose in this passage. The angel Gabriel is sent by God, the Most High, right? The creator of heaven and earth spoke from his throne in glory. He spoke uh, to the angel Gabriel, the warrior of light. And from God's presence... The angel was sent from that majestic throne room in heaven. He was sent with a message, an announcement of divine importance. Where would he be sent to? And to whom would he be sent? Would he be sent to a great king in a golden palace? To a sage and righteous priest in a towering temple? No. God's personal emissary was sent to the most unimportant town imaginable on the surface of the earth. (laughs) He was sent to a backwater, one donkey, nothing to offer town, the butt of jokes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And this angel was sent to the most unlikely person in that unimportant town. A young woman, a teenager, technically not a child by Jewish custom, but just barely, not yet married. She lived in a cave with her parents, as most people did in that area. Literally a hole in the limestone ground that they had shaped into a modest and comfortable room. Greetings! Favored one, the Lord is with you. Heavenly brightness brightness filled the dim cave. Joy radiated from the angel's voice so rich and good that you could almost taste it. Yet Mary was right to be much perplexed by the words of the angel. The angel had missed Jerusalem by 60 miles. And society said she was literally nobody. It was beyond her ability to comprehend that the angel was in exactly the right place with exactly the right person. It was beyond her ability to comprehend that the king had come down, condescended to her and to us with love and kindness and personal sacrifice to offer, offer warmth, a a people shivering in spiritual tatters. 
was beyond her ability to comprehend that she was the favored one and the Lord was with her, not because of who she was, but because of who the Lord was. He blesses the poor and he exalts the lowly. The birth of Christ is, in this sense of the word, the condescension of God to us. If you ever wonder why or even wonder if God would have anything to do with you, look at Nazareth. Look at Mary. And remember God's condescending purpose. So second, we see covenant fulfillment. Now, that probably sounds like a pretty churchy thing for me to say, but actually the angel is telling Mary that the origin story of our hero did not just start in her living room. In fact, it is an ancient story. Jesus was always plan A. And maybe you've heard that God couldn't figure out how to solve or another way to solve the sin problem, so he sent his son to die. No, Jesus was never plan B. He was always plan A. The angel tells Mary that God will give to this child the throne of his ancestor David and that of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now a thousand years earlier, God had told King David this exact same thing. And it's recorded in the passage that Bob read in 2 Samuel. In that passage, David's feeling kind of bad because he had built himself this swanky house, but God dwells in a tent. At least the ark of God dwelt in a tent, and that's where they believe God sat on top of that ark. And, and so David wants to make it up to God and build God a swanky house too. And God says, I don't need a house. I've never needed a house. I never asked for anybody for a house. I'll be, doing the, I'll be the one doing the blessing around here, David. And so I will make your house great, David, and your throne shall be established forever. That's God's promise. That's his covenant with David. And, and of course, David would not have expected Jesus, right? He would, he would not have expected Jesus to be the means by which God would fulfill this covenant. David would have expected, like in his own time, like in any normal situation, that one generation after another, that one of his descendants would always rule over Israel. David could never have predicted the incarnation or the resurrection or that Jesus alone would be that forever king, ruling not just over Jews locally, but over all the people of God globally and eternally. But what is even more amazing than a single eternal king whose kingdom shall have no end is that King Jesus now lives spiritually in each one of us so we are the dwelling place of God we are the house that David wanted to build in ways beyond imagining God's ancient plan a covenant promises for the salvation of the world are fulfilled in this Jesus this forever king who lives in us born to a poor virgin from nowhere backwards Nazareth and so we see the origin of Jesus in God's condescending purpose and we see that Jesus is beyond anyone's wildest dreams the fulfillment of God's 
covenant. I could not preach this passage, this origin story, without talking about his mother. And specifically, Mary's courageous obedience. Even if we approach this passage with deliberate reverence, drink in the wonder of the angel from God meeting the girl in the cave, I don't think we can possibly appreciate the fearsome situation that Mary found herself in. I mean, it is improbable enough that the angel would appear to her at all. And stranger and more surprising still that he would call her favored and declare God's presence with her. But the angel seems to be pronouncing the impossible over her. That she of all people, who, that she would have a child who would be called Great, the Son of the Most High, and she would name him Jesus, and he would be the fulfillment of the prophecies that she had learned about in synagogue all her life. And yet, amazingly, this cosmic, eternal scope of the angel's pronouncement is not what has Mary flustered. Her composure is stunning. She sees a problem. You can see Mary's eyes narrow as the wheels of comprehension are beginning to turn. How can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel essentially explains that God will create himself into her womb because nothing will be impossible with God. And she says... Okay. I'm the Lord's servant. He gets to do what he wants. Let it be, be, let it be to me according to your word. Her obedience is breathtaking. Mary was staring down the prospect of bearing a child out of wedlock in a society in which that was completely unacceptable. She was going to have to explain to her parents and to her fiancé, and her fiancé's parents, and to everyone else, that it wasn't what it looked like, it was God's child. Mary was facing the probability of social isolation in the extreme for both she and her baby. But God was just going to have to take care of that. That's where he was leading her, that's where she was going to go. There's no pleading to choose someone else like Moses had done. There's no running away like Jonah had done. There is only unflinching, courageous obedience. And the rest, as they say, is history. This is the origin story of our hero, Jesus Christ, our Savior. God condescended to us to fulfill his covenant through the courageous obedience of a poor teenage girl. Because this is where God likes to work. Down in the trenches, down in the dirt, in the impossible, and sometimes even in the scandalous. If God can save all of humanity for all time by placing himself into the womb of a virgin and into the flesh of a human infant, then what can he do in your life? What can he undo 
in your life? What can He redo in your life through this very Savior who dwells in you? This, this is Christ the King. And nothing will be impossible with God. Amen.